Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. Ken Haslam and Bobby Howe had a conference call today. We'll bring you some of that. What team could be the best at Montana and Montana State? And how about a roundtable with former Grizz Center Cy Sermon. It is Tutel and Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. A notable day in the history of this show. We'll tell you why here in uh, just a moment. But happy to be along with you. Hope you are well. It was sunny, then it darkened, and now we're in the middle of a blizzard. How about that? Isn't that the way in the middle of March, actually end of March almost, that a day like that would go? And you know what? I love it. My daughter, man, she's all about the snow, and uh, that's one of my favorite things about her. She appreciates that. I appreciate that. I'm happy to have a little bit of snow, throw around, have some fun out in the yard. You know, you got to find something to do. Why not make a snowman, a snowball uh, fight, whatever it is? Okay, all right, enough advice from me. Hope you're well, though. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for letting us uh, be on board with you. If you'd like to listen live, you can do so on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You listen live all the time on the Listen Live tab. It's available thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you'd like to pick up your phone and call, you can do that, 329-1899, 329-1899. The phone number, all guests join us via the Rangus Brothers RV phone line. Plenty to get to in the show today. First of all, uh, as I mentioned off the top, Kent Haslam, Bobby Houck had a conference call uh, together today. It uh, lasted about 22 minutes or so. Uh, we're certainly not going to play the whole thing for you, but we have a couple of sound bites from each guy on, on some highlights from it that we thought you know were pertinent and worth listening to, so we will share those with you. Uh, Kent Haslam talking about some of the financial impacts uh, of this on the athletic department and Bobby Houck talking about how he's 
trying to navigate or what he's maybe most concerned about with his team during this time that that, uh, everybody is basically away and not participating in formal football activities. So we will get to that. We also will have a little conversation. Listen, Tyler Day from Northern Arizona was named the National Track and Field Athlete of the Year. NAU sitting there at like 7,000 feet has year in and year out had a nationally elite cross-country team uh, national title, uh, I think, in the history there. What would be the best team that Montana and or Montana State could create if they put all of their energy resources into it in terms of where they would rank on a national level? Golter and I were talking about this today. I think it's an interesting conversation, so we will get to that. It is a Wednesday. We will do a Wing It Wednesday. We'll give away some Desperado uh, uh, gift cards to go over and get yourself some wings over at the Desperado Sports Tavern. We're going to do it a little different today. Uh, We're not going to do call-ins today. We're going to do some trivia, though, with each other, and we are going to give the wings away on our social medias at uh, 1029 ESPN and at Gus Tutel. So you can go on there and we will give those away during the show today. You can follow along on the social medias and we'll give those away. want to remind everybody too, the Desperado, of course, looks like uh, you know all the establishments, bars, restaurants in town is closed in terms of the brick and mortar deal. But they have curbside pickup Full menu, okay, at the Desperado. So you can call in there, order the food, go in, pick it up, including the wings, of course, and uh, and get whatever you need for you, your family, everybody uh, on the run and just uh, stop right in. You keep your six feet of distance. You have the food right there ready for you, and on your way you go. So it's a great deal that the Desperado's got going on, so you can go uh, find that as well. At the top of the hour, 5 o'clock, really looking forward to this Cy Sermon. A uh, the, the most recently the center of the University of Montana Grizzly football team uh, played. I don't know every position that you could play in a, a career as a football player. He's going to join us as uh, our ESPN roundtable today. Ton of guys. Yeah, I mean, he's one of a number of people in his family that are uh, pretty good athletes. Uh, so we will uh, go through with him, talk to him about his time at the University of Montana. We had uh, Angel Villanueva on yesterday. Phenomenal interview there. So you can go check that out on the podcast if you like. You and now Cy Sermon today, so we're excited about that. We also will talk a little bit about uh, uh, how about Arthur Blank stepping up and making some pretty significant contributions to the state of Montana. He's the owner of the uh, the Atlanta Falcons, also the founder of Home Depot. Perhaps you've heard of the Home Depot, okay? Uh, anyhow, he uh, is is donating about $165,000 to various organizations in the state of Montana, and uh, and we'll get into that a little bit, so that's very good. So there you go. That is our show outlook. Now, Coulter and I once again are coming to you in our uh, in our little small studio with our one microphone, which we're going to share back and forth with each other once again today. I said that this is a uh, uh, sort of a historic day, a marker day in the history of this show. We've been doing this show since we began it in uh, in twenty, well, really twenty fourteen, uh, but uh, but in in true form as it is now in twenty fifteen. And have done it from the same studio, essentially, from that time to this. And today marks the last day in this studio. And this entire place that we've been has been stripped down to bare bones. There's nothing left on the walls except for some glue. And as soon as we're done with the show today, we're hitting the off button. We're breaking all of it down. We're carrying it across down to the new studios. Now, I want to remind everybody, there will be no two-tell nuanas tomorrow. Okay, we got a lot of work to do in the next 48 hours or 46 hours, as it were, to, to be on the air for you on Friday from the new studio. So there's no show tomorrow, okay, as we get ourselves transitioned fully into the new building. Thankfully, we got a snowstorm to move through, so we've, you know, we got that going for us, at least, Coulter. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, it, amazing. You know, we've been planning for this move for quite a while. 
And then obviously the world does what it does, and we're sort of moving in the midst of everything that's going on. And it's sort of an, uh, you know, an interesting sort of weird transition that we're making right here doing this. But we're certainly uh, excited about being at the new place. We will be on SWX uh, statewide you know, once again uh, once we get everything up and running over there. But we're looking forward to that. And we're excited, too, because uh, we, we expect that on our first show on Friday from the new building, our featured guest will be... Bobby Houck. So we're looking forward to having Coach Houck uh, with an interview uh, with him on the show on Friday. But Coulter, how you doing over there, man? You brought you you wore uh, all your best moving gear. I see you're ready to go. Well, if you could have seen me before I uh, turned around in the intersection, I don't really know what the operation is going to be like tonight. But I was running a little behind because I was, you know, in customary myself fashion, was wearing shorts. Anybody that knows me knows that I try to dress very nice for work, and then I try to wear shorts all the times that I don't work. It just goes better with the shoe choices, you know. But either way, I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and I was at the intersection of Russell and 3rd, and it started puking snow. And I was like, well, this is Montana, so this is probably going to come and go for a long time. Sure enough, at the red light, look at my weather app. Sure enough, it's going to snow for the next four hours. So, Flipped around real quick. Good thing I live close by. And I uh, got some jeans and a sweatshirt on. And uh, here we are, man. I can't believe it. You said you've been doing this in full form since 2015. I joined up here August 2017. So we're coming up on our third year anniversary, which is very good. I once told myself as a young man I would never have a job for more than three years. And uh, I've had jobs with similar characteristics, but we'll see. You might be special enough to make me stay. But either way, this is a fun show, and everybody, I, I keep trying to reemphasize this, but so many people have reached out and asked, you know, what are you guys doing? What are you guys going to talk about? There's no sports. And I got to tell you, as somebody that really enjoys being creative, and also as somebody that, if you, you know me, I want to, it, it would be a full interview every show if it was just me. We would never talk about anything. We would just ask questions to other people. But the fact that we can get all these interviews, I think it's been really fun, man. I think it's been really fun to just try to check people down and talk people into it, and I'm really happy all these Grizz guys are coming on. Really make sure everybody out there stay in, stay tuned for Cy Sermon. He's going to tell some great stories. He's a really cool guy. He's a really smart guy, really mature guy. We got to know him a little bit because he's working down there for Mike Larson at Stockman's Bar, and we were down there pitching him the Grizz Greats podcast idea. And Cy would always be in there and say, "What's up, Cy?" And you know, one day I was like, "Man, would you ever want to come on the show?" He's like, "Are you kidding me?" He's like, "I want to come on that show so bad." So here we go. But as as you're learning, Gus. The offensive linemen are the best. The retired offensive linemen, you can't get any better. You're like they're like, well, absolutely. I'll I'll come on anytime. How much how much time you need? Well, you know, they, because they feel, you know, you said it yesterday. The, the offensive linemen, especially the offensive linemen, linemen in general, they roll in packs, which is great because you're always together. You're with your boys. You're doing your thing, but also. The individual shine that some of the, quote, skill positions get, which I already know that, that the term itself is a point of contention amongst the linemen. They're like, well, what are you talking about, skills? You think I don't know what I'm doing with my hand fighting and my footwork? Get out of here. So I get all that, you, you, but, but they, you know, the opportunity to come on and uh, you know, proliferate to the world all the things that uh, you know, went on over the course of four or five years playing college football and the stories and stuff like that is going to be a lot of fun, certainly. And we look forward to have Cy on here about 5 o'clock. I think the most telling part about offensive linemen is every time I do interviews after practice or whatever, when I say to the guys, hey, I'm an ex-offensive lineman too. I love offensive linemen. They're like, oh, nice. Like, hey, we're going to get some shine. Like, I'm not just going to get quoted. There's going to be a part in the story about, like, the offensive line, what we're doing. 
They love it. It's funny. But speaking of Grizz football, Bobby, how Kent has them on a conference call with us this morning. I uh, appreciate both those guys for taking some time. I know it's been incredibly hectic out there, uh, but we have a little bit to share with you. I thought that mine – I'll ask you what were your main takeaways. My main takeaways from this were, one, Bobby Houck's maybe the most unhappy and just uncomfortable person on the planet right now. He can't recruit. He can't coach. He's just just so mad that spring ball got ruined. And uh, at this just part of the course with Coach Houck, he's just he wants to compete. He wants to play some football. The main part of Kent Haslam, I thought that was revealing. He told, we, I asked him a lot about the financials of it, and um, he did mention some specific stuff. And one thing for people out there that have softball tickets, that's their one main revenue maker. He said they're probably going to lose between ten and $15,000 in revenue, which in the greater scheme of things, not that bad. And then if you want to do whatever you want to do with softball, you can either get a refund, you can renew for next year, or you can donate the money to the program. Yeah, three good options to do for uh, for softball and for the revenue sports. And we do have uh, that piece of sound, or a piece of sound anyway, regarding that and the question that you asked just about the finances for the university. So we'll start with that. This is Kent Haslam uh, from uh, this morning on the conference call. How does this impact this University of Montana athletics as a whole from a financial perspective? Well, uh, softball really is our, our revenue-generating sport that we have in the spring. It's the only one we charge admission to. That's uh, probably about a ten to $15,000 uh, revenue source for us. So in the grand scheme of things, I, I mean, I never want to dismiss that nothing's significant, but obviously this would be far more impactful if it was coming into the fall. Um, but we, we do. We do save money on travel, and, and we do save money on uh, – I mean, our coaches aren't uh, out traveling and recruiting – right now but they're certainly actively recruiting through other through other means but they certainly don't cost us as much so um you know the financial impact right now um good thing that it happened in the spring um and there are there are savings but uh we have lost some we've lost some revenue as well and then the unintended uh um you know the consequences that come from how does this uh, limit donors and, and their willingness to to commit and to um to donate those type of things are really not measurable right now. Hey Colton, you asked me what what I what my biggest takeaway is. My biggest takeaway was that what he said at the end right there. See, right now, I, uh, ironically enough, that this happens in the spring. This is probably a net plus financially speaking for the university. You don't get the revenue from softball, but you don't have the expenses of sending all of the spring sports anywhere. Not to mention hosting things, which cost a lot of money, which you're not recouping because you're not there's no charge for you know track and field and so forth and so on. You don't have the recruiting costs of coaches, you know, flying different places, going different places. So they are probably at the plus in in that respect. But this the financial impact of this probably won't be known for quite some time. But we know that it's a negative one, and it's hit, it's hitting all sectors. Some sectors more immediate in, you know, the industry, when you talk about the food, restaurants, bars, and, and, and that sort of thing. But absolutely everyone is is in, in, a, in a tough spot right now. We just don't know how tough. And that includes the donors who are huge in terms of the percentage of the athletic department finances that they – create that they represent and as as uh kent haslam said there we just don't know right now like what 
what the upshot of this is going to be for people who, you know, have been faithful donors, you know, the quarterback club members, GSA members, et cetera, what this is going to mean, you know, in the in the broader scheme for a bunch of those folks. And and presumably that's certainly going to be a loss. And that really, I think, is going to be telltale for what what the financial situation ends up being. Again, a complete unknown, but I think that is maybe the most impactful part of it. Another thing I hadn't thought of, but it, you know, again, if you're looking for silver linings and all this, from a university athletic standpoint, that this is happening in the spring and not the fall or the winter, frankly, even though it did kill the what was the, the culmination of the winter, which we're all still very disappointed about, of course. This this almost, I mean, outside of happening just in the middle of the summer or something like that, depending on duration, is really the luckiest sort of time that it could happen if you want to think about it that way. And I think that's, you know, a notable consideration. It is, but you also have to think it's not just what Kent said there where you're trying to guide people and tell them how can they help, how can they give money. But if this thing lasts long enough, Montana does, University of Montana Athletic Department, Grizzly Scholarship Association, they have golf tournaments and gatherings all across the state. Those will be canceled. Maybe not the golf. I'm not sure about that. That's one thing that seemed like you can have some social distancing maybe. Everybody has their own cart. Like you just yell at each other while you're talking and just be outside. That seems like relatively safe. But getting in a banquet room with 750 people, that's probably not going to happen. Having auctions and things like that. And so that's where it's going to hurt them because at the end of the day, small school athletic departments like this, Grizz football is lucky. Well, not lucky. They earned it, but they they make a ton of revenue off ticket sales. Grizz men's basketball, they do too. Women's basketball, they do too. But you got to make so much of your money, especially your scholarship money for the athletes. I mean, it costs about $2.2, $2.3 million, the GSA, to provide scholarships. They make most of that money during the spring and summer. So that's where you got to really just figure out how you're going to get uh, that part, take care of that part, even if you don't have the, the meet-and-greet hosted events. That's a good point. And I also think, too, I mean, this is a situation where all of a sudden creativity is at a premium, right? And And the – the people, the organizations who can think of ways to, hey, we can still do an auction. Now it's on your phone only. And we're going to have a virtual, you know, hosted event or whatever it might be. And yeah, it's not the same as sitting there in the room. But hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send a bottle of wine in the mail to every single person. So they have it. They can sit there on their couch and drink it while they do the online deal. And we'll have Bobby Houck and Kent Haslam and whoever it is come up here and speak to everybody and address everyone and it can still be a community you know you you could create those sorts of things and if people are willing to participate and I think that people it's interesting because the financial side of it is one thing but also it seems to me that people are more prepared and willing to help right now than they've been in a long time whatever help looks like right I mean it can look a whole bunch of different ways we understand that a lot of times it comes down to you know in, in things like sports uh, the college athletics writing a check okay but there's you know I think that there's a certain propensity at this point in time to trying to do the right thing you know help your neighbors out help your families out help strangers out for crying out loud by staying away from them in a lot of ways which suits a lot of people in Montana to a T this is you know a lot of Montanans are living their dreams right now I don't got to talk to anybody this is outstanding but uh you know this is that's that I think is is a real possibility and it'll be interesting to watch both Montana and Montana state how they navigate this right now it's 2 tell Nuanas 1029 ESPN radio Bobby how uh, also 
on this conference call. We will have a long form, uh, longer form interview uh, with Coach Houck for you on Friday. That is our uh, uh, intention right now to have that ready for you on Friday. Uh, but there was a question in there I wanted to ask him. He, he Coach Houck, like you said, is clearly as disgruntled as any football coach in America right now about this situation because he wants – he loves spring ball. He loves competing. He loves the process, the grind. He loves the guys in the weight room. You can only get strong by lifting you know, heavy weights. He made very clear, abundantly clear repeatedly today that – Push-ups are not going to get it done, right? That's not the thing that's going to make it happen. You have to have a weight room, and now all the weight rooms are closed, not just the Champion Center, but any of them. So he's he's clearly unhappy about this. Uh, but I asked him, well, you'll hear the question, but just about you know maybe the mental aspect of things and what you could do in this scenario. But here's what he said, and also pay attention to the end because he kind of takes it in another direction, which is what I want to focus on. Yeah, I'm just wondering what what things have been given to the team, if any, by way of you know playbook of, or assignments, if there's such a thing for for just uh, going through and learning all the different you know installations, offense, defense of Montana football. Yeah, well, obviously we get uh, a start to spring practice, so we we were well into that. So they we, that's all we're organized, all that stuff set up. Um, we got a chance to look at some of our new stuff on both sides of the ball and then the special teams over six day, six practice span, two week span. So that, that was good. The thing that I'm most concerned about right now is this has got disaster potential academically for us and we're doing our best to mitigate that. So our focus is on the academic part right now. You know, I thought that that was interesting and that surprises me that he feels that way. Now on one hand, maybe it makes all the sense in the world that he would say that where you, you have now everybody's doing remote classes. I saw Seth Bodner, President Seth Bodner, tweeted out that I think they had had 56 online classes up on, you know, kind of by semester or whatever. And in the first week after spring break, they administered 1,200 online classes. Uh, remarkable. I mean, that they, that they were able to put that into effect and do that across the board. But you think, okay, well, you know, guys go home, you know, from the football team for spring break. They decide that they're going to stay there. They're actually asked to stay there. And now they're going to take these classes online. And it is a different deal to teach and and take classes online. I've done both. And it is easy to go – to not feel like it's real. It's easy to feel like, okay, this is almost more elective than anything else, I guess, if you're a student. But also, I think that there's a lot of – the deadlines are a lot softer at times, it seems like, when you're doing online classes, especially in a situation like this from a teacher's perspective, from a faculty, from a professor perspective. And obviously, each professor is going to administer their particular classes differently. But maybe it's because there's other stuff to, to, to quote-unquote do or because you're not actually in class and it can't be monitored in the same way that there's a worry about that. But also, it's not as if guys are going out. Right, you know, like you're not being, you're not, you're, you're not going to the bars. You're not staying out till two a.m. You're not going even to dinner with your, like you're, you are just at your house. I would think this would be like if you can't do your academics now, that would be that would be a major red flag to me because what the heck else are you going to do? You're playing Madden and you're reading your playbook and you're doing you know push-ups. I guess is those. I mean that's your kind of routine if you're a football player right now. So I would think this would be prime time. But do you share like that concern? Where do you think he's coming from when he says you know we think that this is a potentially academically disastrous for us? We're really concerned about it. 
Well, I think that there's two reasons why Bobby Houck is concerned. One, there is no guy on the Montana team that has a class available that is not going to class right now. You go to class with Bobby Houck or you or you run the M until you puke. That's that's the rules. Keenan Curran expressed it to us on the roundtable. He said, I learned the hard way. Showed up late for one class, missed another one. That wasn't good. A week later, I you know couldn't even walk because I'd ran the M so many times. So I think it's adjustment for a lot of kids to learn in a different way than in the classroom, especially when you've probably been encouraged and even forced to be in the classroom because of the discipline you're under. I think the other thing is that so often these guys, they're lifting in the mornings, they're going to school, and then they're, they're on campus all day, and a lot of that downtime is used doing your homework. Like a lot of guys, like I know at Montana State, they practice in the morning so that the guys can just go home, do their homework, and go to bed. It's a, a whole different schedule, but I just think that I think you'd be surprised how many guys, and I'm not saying they're bad students. I'd say they're, they're just on-campus students. I bet you so many guys don't ever really study at home. They just chill at home. They just hang out with their boys at home, play Xbox, whatever. They do all their studying on campus because they're on campus from 6 o'clock in the morning until you know a lot of times 6 o'clock at night. So there's a lot of downtime in there. So I think, I think Coach Alk is right. You know, Also, the academic center is not open, so you can't go get help. You can't go get a tutor. And I think that the number one thing that he's expressing without directly saying it in every element that he talked about today is he doesn't have a chance to see you do it. And he needs to see you do it. So I think that's what's probably the thing that concerns him the most. I totally agree. I, I feel like the, the, the root of all of this, and I, I mean this in the best possible sense, is control. Like the ability to do it. One of the things, if you were going to ask me about the, the positive traits as I see them from Coach Houck in terms of the, the things that he's really good at as a football coach, I think one of the things that probably doesn't get enough appreciation, and it might be the thing that he's best at, and I'm only saying this from afar because I certainly don't have any sort of you know, direct insight on this, but his, his organization and organizational skills seem to me to be very high. And you think, okay, well, he's been a head coach how many, 14, 15 years. He's been a football coach for 20. Of course he's going to know – the, you know, how things go. Well, you know what? You know, Rex Ryan has been a football coach his whole life, too. And he's just not a very organized guy, it seems to me. He's great in a lot of other aspects, great in a lot of things. But especially when you're the head coach, having each and every day mapped out for you, for your, for your assistant coaches, for your players, what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, what the progression is going to be from one thing to the next, there is a ton of minutia that goes into being a football coach all year round. And I think Bobby Houck is outstanding at understanding how he's getting from one to two to three to four to five to six on day one. And then on day two, from one to two, and on down the line in each and every way. And there's, frankly, not a lot of people that are good at that. Not a lot of people want to be good at that. And I think he's disciplined in that area. And this throws a wrench into all of that. Like, they're, all, of the, all the plans are like where we're going to do and how we're going to do it. We got six days in. We were ready to go. We got a lot of the insulation. And then all of a sudden this happens. And now this all goes out the door and everybody is just doing whatever they want. And he has to rely on his players, on his leaders to be doing the right things, to be making the right choices in terms of food they eat, in terms of attempting to work out as much as they can without actually going to a gym. And, you know, I, 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 uh, I think that that is the thing that sort of makes him the most anxious in all of this. And, and, and we'll see if he's able to, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here. Here's the thing I also say. 
he reemphasized today how much they're losing in all this. But everybody's losing in this. I mean, this is not unique to the University of Montana, so I don't feel like they're losing ground relative to anybody else. Right. <laughs> that's that's the tactic, though, right? Bobby Huck only analyzes things through the lens of the chair he sits in at the University of Montana. So, I don't know. It, it, it's so interesting. This whole spring ball cancellation is so interesting because I think that for some teams, not having spring ball is just fine. For other teams, I do think that it's just kind of here nor there. And for some teams, I think it's detrimental. And I don't know what I think of either the Cats or the Grizz. I think it's kind of the middle one. I think it's it's neither here nor there. I think they could have benefited from it, but they don't necessarily have to have it. Uh, so we'll see. But we're sitting down with Coach Hawk tomorrow. We'll share that interview with you probably next week. I also sat down with Jeff Choate, talked to him too, so we'll have some overlays for our Big Sky Conference football coaches series. So stay tuned for that next week. Bobby Hawk and Jeff Choate right here to Tell Nuanas. With that, we'll take a quick break. Coulter had a conversation he wanted to have next. What sport, out of all the sports, would be the best at Montana Montana State if they put all their resources into it? An interesting question we will discuss right after this. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. That is very good of Arthur Blank to uh, to do that. Certainly don't know the man, but what I've seen and what I've heard secondhand about him, uh, about as philanthropic as a guy could get. So it's easy to just assume, well, he's great. He's very wealthy. Of course, he should be doing something. But I mean, being wealthy and actually doing something are two different things. And he, not just now, but has uh, over time, it seems to be a history of that. So uh, very cool of him to do that. We'll talk more about it later in the show. It is to tell Nuanas. It is 1029 ESPN. It is Wednesday, the 25th of March, and it is snowing. Let's rock and roll. Hey, who could be happier about this? You can't go anywhere anyway. Anyway, you go outside, right? Throw a snowball, drink some hot chocolate, listen to us. I mean, well, this is a great life you got going here. Hey, Carl Tyler. Check this out. Carl Tyler Chevrolet, they're the home of lifetime powertrain warranty that lasts for as long as you own your vehicle. That's the Carl Tyler Auto Group. Coulter, you were uh, thinking, and you think a lot, so very much, and you were uh, considering Northern Arizona and their track and field teams and their especially cross-country teams who are nationally elite, and it's maybe not surprising. They're there basically 7,000 feet in Flagstaff, Arizona, and obviously we know about you know what it, what it does for uh, distance runners when you're at elevation and, and, and all of that. Tyler Day, who is from northern Arizona, was named the National Track and Field Athlete of the Year today, so that congratulations to him certainly on that, and that's a, 
a feather in the cap of NAU, of Tyler Day, and of the conference, frankly, at that level, because this is this is not restricted to some conference size or whatever. We're talking about everyone, a whole the whole kit and caboodle, Division One uh, uh, track and field. But that got you thinking about well, between Montana and Montana State, of the sports that 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 the two schools have, if they were to focus on just one and only one sport, we understand football is the focus because it's the biggest revenue and it has the, you know, the biggest draw in terms of fans and so forth. But in relation to what they could be nationally on a national level, which sport would be the best between Montana and Montana state? What do you think? I think it comes down to, identifying what your strengths and what your weaknesses are, not only as a college, not only as an athletic department, not only as a specific sport, but as an academic community and also the town you're in, the region you're in, what are the logistics like for recruiting? What's it like to get in and out of your town? How easy or hard is it to fly there directly? When you look at Northern Arizona, Flagstaff's a remote place, even though it's two, two and a half hours from one of the biggest cities in America in Phoenix, you still have to drive up through the canyon to get there. You can't fly there. You have to attack it from north or south. You can't really get there without a pretty substantial drive, no matter where you fly into. So that hinders recruiting. Flagstaff's a cool but very funky town. So I think it takes a certain type of kid to really like it. Yeah, I think there's a ton of kids that would, but also there's a lot of kids that it wouldn't be their deal. You have to be really outdoorsy. I mean, it's, it's a lot like Missoula without maybe the grandeur and beauty, although Flag is very beautiful too. But then you also have a campus that's 7,000 feet above sea level. Then you have a, a mountain in the Arizona version of Snowball, that's 9,500 plus. So what do they determine? What do they decide to maximize? They decided to maximize distance running. And Tyler Day is just the next in a long line of tremendous, tremendous athletes that have ran distance in Northern Arizona. I mean, Lopez Lemong was a Olympian. They've had multiple Olympians, and, and you can just basically stay home if you make the Olympic team because that's a part of where a lot of the U.S. Olympic distance running team trains too. So that's the perfect example. I think it's the absolute best example of a school and an athletic department identifying directly their biggest advantage and then going all in on that advantage. In Missoula and Bozeman, I think we know a lot of the advantages and a lot of the disadvantages. It's remote. It's in a place that not a lot of people know about, but tremendous college towns, awesome support, great fan bases, good educations, beautiful places, fun place to go to school, all the good things we know about. But I was really thinking about this, and I think that we'll start, we'll start with Montana State. I think that the, the, the number one answer for Montana State is skiing because they have the facilities right there. I mean, the NCAA Ski National Championships were just in Bozeman. So they have one of their premier mountains. The fact that they can go Bridger Big Sky and then Bohart Ranch for the Alpine, or for, excuse me, the Nordic ski kids, true, the cross country kids. And I also think in skiing, what's it going to take to win a national championship? I mean, on an Alpine team, for example, you have about six guys, six gals. So. But Bozeman, being an individual sport where you can train at such an amazing level, it's not unfeasible that you could get the greatest college skier in the world to go there. And I don't really know if there's any other sports besides maybe distance running at Northern Arizona where you could really get one of the premier young talents in the world. I think you could. They haven't yet, but I think you could at Montana State. Yes, they did. Jan Stenerud went to Montana State to be a skier, right, to be a ski jumper. So I agree with – I think skiing is probably it. The other one that I think that Montana State could be, you know, nationally elite at is rodeo. I mean, they are in a place that that just caters to that. And, you know, within the state of Montana, I mean, what are the biggest rodeo states? Probably 
Wyoming, Montana, Texas, and you know we we what's that? Oregon. Oregon or sure? I mean, a lot of the states in the West certainly have big aspirin. I mean, the biggest rodeo probably in America outside of Vegas is in in Ellensburg, Washington. I mean, it's a bit you know there's plenty of it there, but uh, you know. I think that that's Montana obviously certainly lends itself to that and do then stay in state. I think you could get – I mean, look, the, the the bull riding champion of the world two years in a row is from Volberg, Montana, right? Jess Lockwood. So uh, there's plenty of talent in state to be nationally, nationally elite in those ways. The University of Montana, it's such an interesting question to me on, on the Grizzlies. The team that I think because of the foundation and still in the history that's there that has the chance to be the best in relation to the other teams might be the Lady Grizz. Like, I think Montana women's basketball, look, they were, what was their highest seed? At, were they like a four seed in the tournament, maybe a five, six, something like that? But, I mean, you're talking about they were a top 25 team in the nation. They're hosting Tennessee. They're hosting, you know, uh, uh, these these unbelievable powers. And, Montana is not going to consistently, even if everything was poured into it, be you know a top fifteen team in the nation type of place. It seems to me, but the it is it is without question the the greatest fan support and historical program that there is in not just the Big Sky Conference, but in a lot of ways in the Western United States. I mean, obviously a place like Oregon right now, Washington certainly has been, Stanford has been. Gonzaga to some extent out, outstanding at, at, at you know in their spots but hist you know in total history Montana's been about as good as it gets and I think that there would be an opportunity if that focus was there now I'm not saying that necessarily should be in, in you know to the exclusion of things like football men's basketball all the other sports but I think that is there the one other sport though that just came around that I think that Montana is absolutely suited for softball I mean, Montana is a softball-playing state, man, and there are some unbelievable players. And when like a, a girl like Tristan Achenbach out of Great Falls is going to the University of Montana and she's pitching 0-23 on the season or something like something insane like this, and they are rolling through top 25 competition being absolutely outstanding. Uh, you know, not only Michael Rowland now is the head coach of that team. This is an unbelievable, you know, it's not just about numbers. It's about numbers who do what you do. And in Montana, there's a lot of softball players, a great softball state. And so I think there's a lot of potential for the softball team to be very good. Well, there's no question in that because it's softball, too. If you have an elite pitcher, you have a chance against everybody. And the best pitcher from the state of Montana has been absolutely elite. There just wasn't a softball team in Montana to go to. I mean, Morgan Ray was a, a four-year starter at Ohio State out of Frenchtown. I mean, I remember back in the Big Sky days when Dennis Staves had Big Sky just dominating. It was kind of between my and my brother's time in high school. My sister-in-law played for Big Sky. But girls like Michael Eustons, Brittany Clifford, I mean, they both went and pitched Division One in California, but they just didn't have a chance to stay in Montana. They would have absolutely stayed and been cream of the crop in the Big Sky Conference. And so I think that's a great point. I mean, like you said, Tristan Achenbach, I mean, Montana's always going to be able to get a couple aces, a couple great players in the state. And I wonder... We've seen this over the years in between men's basketball and football and, and a lot of sports in football. Honestly, track has probably gotten robbed by football more than any other sport where a guy it might be – I mean, a guy like Gabe Solcer. Gabe Solcer's a great football player, Gatorade Player of the Year in football, but he's also the greatest short hurdles runner in the history of the state of Montana at the prep level. So is he actually doing his best sport right now? You don't know. You wonder how that's going to work with softball too because, like, for example, Mackenzie Johnson, who just graduated for the Lady Grizz basketball team. She's a first-team all-league player this year. 
but she was as good, if not a better, softball player in high school. So how do you, you pick and choose? Back to your point about Montana women's basketball, though. i got to ask you this question. I think that what we said, Northern Arizona has maximized their advantages, and that's why they ended the indoor track season as number one in the country. I would actually argue that the University of Montana already did go all in on women's basketball, and they already did experience the highest peak they're ever going to experience. And I don't really know. I think that what they've gone through the last four years is not good enough. I think they need to be better. But I also don't know if they're going to be – I don't know if they're going to go 16-0 in the league four years in a row like they did in the late 80s and early 1990s. I don't know if they're going to be a straight stamp it 25-win team. If we play well, we're going to be a 30-win team each and every year. I don't know if that's ever coming back because they've had to change the way that they recruit – the Cats are a real force now, too. Gonzaga is way better, so they're stealing some girls from in-state. The Pac-12s found Montana, so they started recruiting Montana girls as well. And a whole bunch of other things have just changed, too. I mean, just the fact of the matter is Montana was able to build and build and build upon its success because the success kept coming. But there was times when Selvig didn't have the best team in the league, and he would still figure out a way to win the league because they played so many games at home and because he's the best coach in league history. And... Then they'd host the tournament, even though they weren't the best team, and they would kill people at the tournament. So they got to go to the NCAA tournament. I would say that of the 21 times Robin Selvig went to the NCAA tournament, he absolutely had the best team in the conference 14 or 15 of those times. He also went six or seven times without having the best team in the conference. That reality doesn't exist anymore. He said so in Reno. The one and only year he coached in Reno, he said, this is not for me. I don't like it, and I'm not doing it. And then he retired two weeks later. So I really I don't know. I think the ship might have sailed in terms of maximizing. No, I shouldn't say ship might have sailed, but I think Montana already did that in women's basketball. In a lot of ways, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, they what they were they were a not a national power, but a national contender. And what that means for a basketball team out of the Big Sky Conference is remarkable to be able to make that statement. So I agree with you. But because it's been done, I don't think means that it can't be done again. In fact, I think that indicates that it could be done again. Here's the here's my only point about it. It's the greatest program in women's basketball, the Yukon Huskies. You know what conference the UConn Huskies have played in? The American, the AAC is not, not it's not a high major conference. It's a it's a it's a it's a mid major conference certainly, but it doesn't matter. And and by the way, UConn it's not some huge school. It's not a forty thousand person institution with all the money in the world. They got Gino Oriema. That's what they got. And guess what? They are what they are. The juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, stores Connecticut, right? I mean, it's, this is no like crazy metropolis. This is like akin to the East Coast version of Cheney, Washington. Exactly, and so and and what's another you know on the men's side, Gonzaga, right? They are absolutely a nationally elite team from not even a mid-major conference. Now, granted, it's a basketball-only conference, or I should say, a non-football conference, so that makes a big difference. But spoke Gonzaga in Spokane when they first made it to like the Sweet Sixteen, everybody was going, "Whoa, Cinderella! Look at the slipper! Look at this and that!" And everybody now is going, "Well, why aren't you making it to the Elite Eight every single year?" You know, Mark Few. And that that makes this conversation come full circle too, though, because I think for mid-major athletic departments to attain any sort of elite status in any sport, there's a certain element of circumstance and a certain element of luck that has to fall your way. Spokane Hoop Fest became an iconic event, and it made Spokane become a basketball-crazy town. And so then when Casey Cavalry gets the tip in to send Gonzaga to the Sweet 16 in 1996, now you have the, what, I think third, third largest uh, small city in the inland northwest not crazy big by any means, but certainly way bigger than anywhere else out here that's already obsessed with basketball. You have an entrenched fan base. Now, all of a sudden, this little Jesuit school is the hottest ticket in town. How'd Boise State? I mean, no one could have predicted 
when it was Boise State Junior College that then they would go from junior college to Division One AA National Championship to leaving the Big Sky Conference to beating Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl in the span of 25 years. No one could have predicted that. Also, no one could have predicted Boise going from like a town the size of Missoula to a town as big or bigger than Spokane. You couldn't have predicted it. You can't predict the tech boom and, and those sorts of things. And so, like North Dakota State. North Dakota State's lucked out so much because of Minnesota being bad in football. They could have gone in and been able to just own the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. It takes a certain element of luck, too. And that's why, to circle back around, I think in terms of the revenue sports, the sport I would go all in on at Montana State is women's basketball because I think – Montana's already done it. If you could do it, you could replicate it. Bozeman's going to be bigger than Missoula sooner than later. You can recruit high academic young ladies there. What Trisha Binford's done the last couple of years with the graduate transfers, because you can go get a high-level graduate degree too, So you can, and it's going to be a different type of grad transfer than you get on the guy's side because you're going to get somebody that's completely obsessed with academics as well as wants to be a part of a good program. I think they have a lot of potential women's basketball too. And last, I think we have to mention men's basketball because I do think that if you gave Travis cure elite resources, he would build an elite program, period. It wouldn't matter where it's at. There's a lot there that I agree with. I also – here's the one thing, though, that I think matters, and I think it matters a lot. The, the, the programs that we talked about, Coulter, that are, that are nationally elite programs, where they are, they're the show. Like, there's no competition in Spokane – for Gonzaga men's basketball. That- and you have to mention that. Gonzaga, I mean, I can't remember which coach said it. Don Hulse said it. He said, all of a sudden, when I was the head coach of the Grizz men's basketball team, I was getting compared to Gonzaga because that was when Gonzaga was first rising. And everybody kept saying, why can't you be Gonzaga? And he said, well, cut the football team and give me the $5 million bucks and tell me how good I can do. Right, exactly. And here's the other thing, though, that I think is interesting. In Stores, Connecticut, if you could go to a UConn football game, or to a UConn women's basketball game, I would be going to the women's basketball game 10 times out of 10 to watch Gina Oriema and whoever's playing basketball for them go play basketball. I've watched UConn play football. It ain't that great. That's what I would be going to do, and that's remarkable. It is, but that's also the situation you're describing in Missoula in the late 90s, which is why I think that Montana might have already done this. They might be the one school that has already done the double down on a maybe non-football sport. Because you remember when we were kids... They saw the place out. I mean, it was it, before Dave Dickinson won the national championship. The Lady Grizz were the thing. That was the thing in Missoula. Absolutely, it's very true. It's two telling the one is one two nine ESPN Radio. Carl Tyler's Missoula Volkswagen, locally owned, community driven for you. The Carl Tyler Auto Group. Boys and girls, it's time for a Wing It Wednesday. We're going to do it a little different. Coulter's going to ask me questions. Here's what you can do if you would like wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern. They're doing roadside pickup. Go onto your Twitter. Go onto your social medias at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports. You re- retweet the tweet that we're sending out right now with uh, the uh, Desperado Sports Tavern in it. First two retweets, each getting free wings to the Desperado. We're still going to do some trivia with you. Our last show from the old studio, and we're uh, we're down to bare bones. So we're doing it a little different today, but we're still going to have a little bit of fun with you. We'll do it right after this. Tutel Nuanas, ESPN Radio.
At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Ten minutes, and we will be joined by Cy Sermon, former center, along with, I think, every other position on the offensive and defensive lines. Former Grizz, talk to him about his career as a Grizzly and uh, everything else. he got a great family story, too, that we got to get into, so we'll get through all that. It's Tutel Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio, at Gus Tutel on Twitter, at Skyline Sports MT on Twitter and at 1029 ESPN on Twitter. Just tweeted out some wings for you. If you'd like some wings, go to at Gus Tutel. First two retweets each getting free wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern. It's a wing it Wednesday. By the way, the Desperado doing free uh, curbside pickup. Okay. You just call them, tell them what you want. Full menu available. It will be right there for you. You drive uh, over there on uh, South Russell across from the YMCA. All your food ready to go, including wings, and uh, you get yourself set up. So they are uh, absolutely open for business, a good spot to go. And, uh, you know, get a little comfort food, great meats, great wings. We know all about it over at Desperado Sports Tavern. So, Coulter, you're going to ask me some questions. Let's do this thing. Boy, some chicken wings would really hit the spot. Tell me likey. Tell me want wingy. All right, Coulter, so you got questions. I got... Probably confusion is what I'm going to have in response to these things. But we could do our best here, play a little long, do a little trivia on a Wednesday afternoon. Go ahead, Colt. What are we doing today? What are we talking about here? We got no theme. These are just straight off the cuff. So right now up on your browser, you got a picture of Ken Griffey Jr. there on ESPN.com. It's under the title, The Best MLB Prospects We've Ever Seen. So question number one, the answer is not Ken Griffey Jr. Who is the youngest player to ever hit a home run in the World Series? He did it as a 19-year-old in 1996. So it's not Ken Griffey Sr. then either, huh? 96, 19 years old. This feels like uh, Atlanta Braves kind of time. Um, Is it a Brave? It's a Brave. My goodness. Andrew Jones. Is that it? That's a walk off. I should be. I, that's it. We should. We should just burn it to the ground right now. There's no way I got that right. Andrew Jones is definitely one of the players. If you were to make a list of guys who somehow have been sort of forgotten, who no way should have they been forgotten. He got like a, a little bit of a pot belly towards the end of his career. I think that made people forget this guy was like the most ridiculous defensive center fielder. I mean, honestly, in his prime, he was among the greatest defensive center fielders that's ever played the game. He's unbelievable playing center field, and repping for Curacao. I think he's the only Major League Baseball player from Curacao. Okay, number two, completely switching gears on you. I was writing a story, putting a finishing touch on it right now, uh, SkylineSportsMT.com, about Danny Sprinkle's first year at the helm and the way he's been trying to redefine 
what Montana State basketball is going to be about. Their defensive numbers improved a ton this year. So I was going through some of the offensive numbers, and they're just laugh out loud when you're talking about Tyler Hall. Unbelievable. But this guy, he scored 749 points his sophomore year alone. 749, his sophomore year. And ended up with 2,518 points in his career. So then I was looking through single-season scoring records. Who's the only player in Big Sky Conference history to score more than that? To score more than the 739 points in a single season. He did it two years ago for Northern Colorado. Well, Andre Spite. Is that right? Yep. I, I tell you what, man. It, Andre Spite is a guy who, like, when you make your list of, you know, all-time Big Sky Conference players, he doesn't immediately jump up to the to the to the top. But what he was, the season he played at Northern Colorado, and and particularly, I mean, it will it will never it will never leave my mind. It's maybe the greatest single game I've ever witnessed in person was the Montana-Northern Colorado Big Sky Conference Tournament semifinal game. And he, going back and forth with Michael Logine in a 10-minute stretch where it was 10 guys on the floor, but it was one-on-one. And it was it was some of the greatest basketball that I've ever seen. And I don't care about the level. I don't care about the – it's that's it. It was as good as it gets. And, and uh, he was <laughs> – there, there's, there's not, there are not many who've been as talented as, uh, as Spite scoring the basketball. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a never, that's a record that's never going to be broken, probably because Northern Colorado, if you remember right, they won, they were the five seed that year, so they got to play in the first round of the Big Sky tournament, and then they made it to the semis. So they played in three tournament games, which is a, as many as you'd play if you were to win the thing, but like most teams do with getting a bye. Then they also then went to the CIT and got to play five more games. So he had eight postseason games to add to the 31 regular season games he played. So he played in a Big State Conference record 39 games. The guy ended up scoring more than 900 points. That's never going to be broken because no one's going to, in the front of the Big Sky, no one's going to play 40 games. Like you'd have to literally average 35 a game during a normal season to get to that mark. So uh, unbreakable record, Andre Spider, another guy. Uh, somewhat unforgettable, even though somehow uh, he gets forgotten from time to time. Okay, last one. University of Montana men's basketball. We did. We just completed our podcast series. Grizz greats the coaching tree. Please go check it out. All podcast platforms. One of the guys I thought was most fun to ask about because he's a guy that came way before our time, but is obviously a guy that's tremendously accomplished and a guy that has a bunch of reverence within the program. Michael Ray Richardson. So Michael Ray Richardson was multiple time All Big Sky performer, scored more than eighteen hundred points at the University of Montana. He was the number four overall draft pick by which NBA franchise? I believe it's New York Knicks. Am I right about this? I am. Coulter's nodding. Get we're sharing a microphone. Our last day in the studio. They've already removed half of the mics, which is the other one. Uh, I'm telling you something. Now, the the, the Knicks I did know. Uh, Andre Spite, because you told me UNC two years ago, I would not have gotten it without that help. But th- me getting Andrew Jones is one of the great moments of my whole life. I mean, the birth of my children, my wedding day, and knowing that trivia question are, are our top three. You know, that's, that's where we're at on that. I feel very good. By the way, congratulations to Brian Haynes and Nick Bala, who are both getting wings to the Desperado Sports Taverns. They were the first to retweet. Uh, is that, did I say it right, retweet? I feel like perhaps I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable right there. In any case, they did whatever they did on the social medias. They have won. Again, 549-9651, the phone number, curbside pickup for a full menu and wings. 
uh, including wings, of course, available from the Desperado right now. You can call them anytime. Go over there. Get yourself a meal. You know, lunch, dinners, great food from the Desperado, and they are open for business. So want to support local businesses, especially at this time, as much as we possibly can uh, as a community. It's tough times all the way around. We understand that. So if you're able, get out there and uh, and and help out the folks that are still out there uh, helping you out. And there's a lot of people out there doing it, getting creative with it. A lot of curbside, curbside pickup, food trucks, delivery services going on. So uh, you can do that with the Desperado right now. Hour number one in the books. Hour two straight ahead, Cy Sermon, former Grizzly center and a, uh, a senior who graduated now uh, with the Montana Grizzly football team, outstanding football player for the Grizz. He's going to join us, our ESPN roundtable, right after this. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 